Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant, from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow the existing client relationships so their agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 20. Today's guest is Sam Bridger. Sam is an interim marketing director and consultant, and she's worked in marketing for over 25 years on the client side. So throughout her career, she's managed loads of different agencies, and she's in a really good position to provide the client side perspective on how agencies generally manage her, her business, and the relationship. So in this episode, she's going to share lots of tips and insight into what it's like to be a client and how you can improve the way you work with your client. So for example, she's going to share how to engage with your clients when they're not responding to you why you need to understand the role and associated pressures of your client in order for you to work well with them, one of the best ways to make a cold approach to a prospective client, why she thinks it's a great idea to ask your client for referrals when the relationship's strong, the worst thing you can do during client meetings and pitches, why being genuine and empathetic is so important to your role, why you need to take an interest in the client's product and learn as much as you can to be credible, and so many more tips. So grab a pen. I hope you get some value from this interview. I really enjoyed it. And Sam is fantastic. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Sam. A very big warm welcome to you, to the podcast. So we were introduced by a mutual friend, Tina Fijant, and I'm very grateful to her because it's always good for me to get recommendations for who I should get on the podcast. And I'm going to hand over to you in a moment, Sam, to give your background. But I just thought it was really interesting because Sam has worked predominantly on the client side in very senior level marketing positions. And she's essentially now an interim marketing director. And I was just looking through all of your history and you work with some fantastic brands. You know, there's Mercedes-Benz, Whitbread, Avios, MS Society, Anglian Water. And that's just the tip of the iceberg of all the brands you've worked with. So I think this is going to be really valuable discussion for us because you've come across so many agencies in your time. So getting your perspective and sharing your experiences are going to be really valuable. So welcome. And would you mind spending a couple of minutes just talking about you, your background, who you help, and maybe give some flavour for your experience working with agencies? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Jenny. So my name is Sam Bridger. I'm an interim marketing director and consultant. Um, I think the thing to say really for me is that I started Agency Side. So I started my career at J. Walter Thompson, JWT and Gray. And so I'm really empathetic to the agency point of view. And I've also did a stint at the AAR. So I've also done that intermediary piece. So I think you could say, you know, I've kind of been on all three sides of the of the pitch table, if you like. So I think that really helps me as a client to work with agencies and understand that demands that face them. You know, I've been a client for over 25 years, been an interim for 14 years. So I've kind of worked with more agencies I can remember and probably run more pitches than I've had hot dinners. So yeah, lots of different experience. And um, currently now I'm, I'm looking for the next challenge as either a uh, strategic consultant with an agency or with a client. So yes, as we come out of furlough, it's all starting to look quite exciting again now. It's getting very busy, isn't it, at the moment? So 
I love that. That's quite a special background as well, given that you've worked for both sides of the fence, as it were. And I mean, from your perspective, because a, a lot of debate lately, Sam, has been around the value of account management. Yeah. Could you give me your perspective on what value you see the role of account manager bringing to maybe both the agency and the client side? Yeah, there's lots of examples of this. And it's, I think the first thing to say is recognising that the role of an account manager is it's a difficult balancing act because you're there to you know, sort of manage the client's expectations, but also to sell the agency product. And you know, sometimes they, they're very clearly caught between two stools. And it, and it is a challenge, particularly if there is a big disagreement over a creative route, that the account manager has to walk that line. But much like the marketing director is the voice of the customer, I should say, in their business, the account manager has to be the voice of the client in the agency. They have to be representing the needs and the wants and the issues that the client is facing and therefore really need to understand them. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more a bit later on. So, you know, I think what clients really appreciate is to understand any kind of internal dialogue that may have gone on about a creative route, for example, if it's being presented we don't necessarily want the account managers to just come to us and go, you know, here it is, it's all, everybody loves it. If that's not the case, you know, be honest with us because it's such a subjective process, creativity, that there's never a right solution. And understanding the dialogue and the discussions that have gone on behind the scenes does sometimes help us go, you know what, actually, that's a good point. Maybe we hadn't thought of it in that way, rather than, a, well, they're selling you this, you've got to buy this, you know. And I think that's that very old school way of working, I'm hoping is kind of, going away but I still see it you know it does still rear its head occasionally and it's just and it's a shame because absolutely you know for everything that I do and the way that I manage my own teams the way that I manage my agencies honesty is the most important thing that you can have and you're going to get the best work if you have that kind of discussion and that understanding and ultimately as an account manager if you don't believe in the work don't try and get someone else to buy it. I love that I think that's really insightful so How do you propose that an account manager does that well? So you said that it was really useful to hear the internal dialogue behind the scenes of maybe giving those creative concepts and presentations more context for you, rather than saying that this is the right route and being very sort of salesy and, you know, tell me a bit more about that. I think just rewind a step. I think how clients manage agencies is absolutely critical to all of this. And I think I am always staggered whenever I move into a new organisation quite how bad so many clients are at it the amount of times I'll go into an organisation and the agencies are being kept separate they're at arm's length they're only being called in when there's a brief to answer and for me to get the best out of an agency they have to be part of your team you know it's a team effort marketing it always has been it's not down to the client it's not down to the agency so they are a big part of our external marketing team. And so they all need to be around that table. So one of the first things I always do is to bring people together. And, you know, I quite often have them looking at one brief and coming up with the answer together, because I think that's really important, that kind of shared knowledge and that shared expertise. And I've yet to work with an agency that hasn't appreciated that, that hasn't thought it's really good to see what the other guys are doing and to get those new sparks of insight and those new little nuggets from bits of the business that they maybe don't work on. And I think it's really important as well to keep them in the loop, particularly the kind of work that I do is often transformational. It's about helping the business change directions, putting new strategies in place, etc. And when the business is going through all of that sort of strategic change, you need the agencies on site. You know, you need to keep them up to date with everything that's going on. And the last big business that I worked with, which was Anglian Water, 
there was a, a dozen agencies that, you know, they hadn't seen for ages, that they just worked on this little project, one well, big project, but it was kind of over to one side. So when we kind of brought them around the table and said, this is the strategic ambition of this business, they were like, really? Okay, brilliant. You know, that's really exciting and really motivating. And here's a load of ideas that I've got. And it just sparks all of that creative energy, which I absolutely love. And, you know, in this business, there's no harm in networking with your peers, let's be honest. So it's always a, you know, it's a win-win for the agency as well. And I've also taken it to extreme, particularly back in, in my smart days, where I've literally said one brief, one budget, and said to them, you pitch for how much you need to spend on this, because I can't sit here arbitrarily and say, well, I'm going to give this much production and this much. They are just kind of pulling numbers out of the air. So asking the agency to collaborate, not only on the strategic direction that we need to take, but also on how we're actually going to spend that money and in which media channels and which is the best way to do it. And it's always produced really, really great results. So I think, you know, I, I've never understood clients who think that, you know, agency suppliers not partners and that we don't need to kind of keep them in the loop on things why do you think that persists laziness possibly and probably just a genuine ignorance and I don't mean that in a you know in an offensive way I just mean the lack of understanding about what they can actually bring and I think there's a you know that one of the biggest issues client side as well that I see is marketing directors who are appointed without classic marketing training so you see people coming from sales roles from other general management roles from ops from you know from all sorts of places who don't know about marketing and if they're not instilling best practice on their teams the teams are not going to learn it's not going to cascade its way through to the junior members of staff and I think that's a part of the problem and also quite simply as well because it is an expense you know you're not getting those people if you're a good client you're not expecting those people to come around the table for free so you've got to think about how you're remunerating the agencies and think about how you want to pay them for their thinking time as well as their actual productive, creative time. So it is difficult. And on a tight budget, you know, there is a way to manage it. But there are ways that you can manage it without hugely increasing your agency bill. What do you think agencies could do differently to kind of open that door up for themselves? Because you sound like the ideal client. I'm sure there's lots of agencies kind of cheering, thinking, I want to work with Sam. <laughs> but what's the agency's role in this? How could they do anything differently to try to open that door to the strategic table? Yeah, no, I think it's, um, it's a good question, Jenny. I think what can help is just taking that initiative sometimes. So if you know that you're working with a client that does operate in that very kind of divide and conquer kind of way, then try and find ways to bring the agencies together yourself. So perhaps, you know, run an afternoon workshop where you invite all the agencies together to talk about an issue either in the sector or with a particular client or with a particular brand or you know, whatever it might be. Do it in the afternoon, have a couple of hours of workshopping and then a couple of hours of, you know, going out for a drink and getting to know each other. And it just set that ball rolling and just demonstrate a way to add the value because that's a good way for the client seeing that, oh, you know what, this is probably a good idea. Maybe I should do this more often. The model that I always run, which always seems to work really well, is that there are weekly status meetings between the day-to-day team, so the account managers and the you know, brand managers or whoever their equivalent is client side. There are monthly planning meetings with marketing directors, possibly all the level below heads of and planners and account directors. And then quarterly all agencies. And at the quarterly all agency, it's a really good opportunity to get people together to see what's happened in the last quarter, to think about what's coming up in the next quarter, review the results, because I'm very much result-oriented marketing director. I'm not just, oh, that looked nice, fire and forget, let's go on to the next thing. So look at the results. And sometimes also to bring in 
kind of guest speakers, if you like, guest presenters. So quite often I bring in people from other parts of the business that they've heard of or they know the area that they look after, but they've never met them to explain the projects that they're working on and bring those to life. And it's just, again, it's just a great way of getting people around the table talking. And I do it internally as well as clients. So always put it in place, internal comms planning processes, which involve the individual business managers in the comms planning process and make sure, because I've worked with lots of businesses where they've come to the marketing department and said, you know, do me a leaflet or, you know, give me a Facebook ad or whatever it might be. And, you know, we're not the colour reading department. So tell me what your objectives are and we'll tell you how we'll solve it for you with our agency team. So it's really important to kind of get those guys involved. And I think I remember one of my absolute best moments at Anglian Water when there was a person from the Parks and Recreation team talking to a person from essentially the wastewater sewerage team about a problem. These two people had never even met before, never been in a room before. And yet because they were talking about a shared piece of land, all of a sudden they were like, oh my God, yes, you could do this and we could do this. And then that would happen. It was like, bing, you know, it's that kind of light bulb moment that I really love, those making those connections. So I think this is so spot on and you're absolutely right because the earlier you bring everybody into the process in the beginning, you get everybody's views and everyone feels like they're part of it. You get all the buy-in and then you take them on the journey. And when those decisions are made, they very much feel like they've been part of it from the beginning. So I'm absolutely in alignment. And I love the fact that you've also said not only for agencies, but also internally as well, is how you operate. I see that there might be some agencies thinking, this sounds quite ideal, but if you're coming together with an agency that also has multiple types of offerings, it almost becomes a little bit competitive in terms of, oh, we know what the client strategy is now, we're going to propose something and we're going to propose something. Where you don't have specialists that are very siloed in different areas any kind of thoughts on that how you can sort of eliminate the competitiveness sure and competition is a good thing so uh, my first thing was don't be afraid of that because if you're a good agency you'll win your share you know you'll protect your share and if you're not you'll learn from the others that did so I think the the days of individual specialists about to say are, are long gone but what I've also found with clients is that if you look you know whenever you're running a pitch and you start looking at the agencies that are out there all the agencies claim they can do everything. They always do. You know, we do everything from leaflets to full-blown TV campaigns, you know, and very rarely are agencies brilliant at all of them. And I'm, I'm kind of talking about the mid-sized to small-sized ones, not the big groups that have got a solution for everything. So very rarely are those sorts of agencies good at everything. They've all got things that they're better at. And they've all got their areas of specialism, even if they can deliver those other things. And with a client like Angling Water, for example, which is my most recent one, they were using these sort of small to mid-sized agencies for specific projects, even though there were projects that other agencies were doing that, you know, agency A could easily have picked up as well. So that also helps us as clients kind of when you're bringing these people into the room say, well, we've now got this project and, you know, we're going to ask you guys to pitch for it because even though we've appointed you to be our CRM agency, we know that you're capable of delivering this or we've appointed you to be our digital agency, but you're equally capable. So it also helps us to have lots of different skills around the room and lots of different opportunities for new creative solutions and it stops agencies getting kind of tired you know with that well we always deliver the CRM so we'll just keep delivering the CRM gives them an opportunity as well to re-engage in the business in a different way. You're absolutely right it it provides that kind of competitive environment a little bit doesn't it which is beneficial to the client because they're going to get the best of both worlds. I think also it does keep agencies on their toes Mm. and keeps them more engaged 
Because what's the price you pay for sort of doing those mini internal pitches? It's the fact that you always get to see the client's strategy and you feel bought in. So it almost compounds and cements that relationship, I think, which is really, really beneficial. Yeah, from a client's point of view as well, you don't want to then be doing another pitch to bring another agency no. on board. And this is this is the other thing that I see, and it's going back to my days at Mercedes, one of the challenges that we had there was that we needed to save, I think, something like 130 million euros over the period of the year across across the major European markets in, in one year. And a large proportion of that fell to the marketing teams to try and make savings. And there was so much wastage, it was crazy. And in Mercedes UK, which covered Mercedes, Chrysler, Maybach and uh, Smart, which I headed up, we had no agency roster in place at all. So I thought, well, the first thing we need to do is just see who we're working with. And I identified 130 agencies working with MB UK, which is probably not that surprising, you know, from the big pan brand media and creative agencies right through to specialist agencies that could put on commercial truck shows and others that would do golf days for VIPs. So, so the first thing is trying to put those guys in order and say, OK, well, you're tier one because you do everything, you're tier three, and then understand within that which ones we needed to have contracts and retainers with and which ones we were just using on a project basis. And once that was in place, it was just so much easier for everybody around the business to go, I need an agency that can do X, Y, Z. So who have we got? Okay, brilliant. I'll go talk to them. What had been happening in the past was that every time a project came up, they were going out looking for somebody new because they didn't know that that part of the business was working with somebody who was really good. And that helps the agencies not only to generate more business, but obviously to understand the breadth of our business better and get involved in lots of different things and start making the connections on our behalf. And I think... That is one thing as well, which is always a great side benefit of this, that you as a client, and particularly in some businesses, can be quite siloed. You can be in your division or your team or focusing on your objectives and your projects. Work with an agency, we really need you to do X, Y, and Z, and we want to go to, I don't know, let's pick those of the game fair in Hertfordshire, you know, this year to, to have a stand there. And they go, oh, you know what, we're already there with my back, so you probably want to kind of coordinate with those guys. And sometimes they help you know what's going on in your own business, stuff that you wouldn't normally kind of come across. So I can say I very rarely see it lose as a lose situation, but it takes a lot of work to set it up. I presume as well you probably get resistance to it because I think the benefit that you have, Sam, is going into so many different types of organisations. That feels to me so, you know, so what a great starting point collaboration communication and getting everyone to speak to each other but what kinds of resistance have you had to that yeah I know the thing that I always joke is that I, I go into an organization and you know they say we've got this strategic challenge help us solve it okay great and spend my first couple of months at least the first 10 weeks going around asking people what the issues are really getting under the skin of the business and having my golden question which is how can I help you do this better and they brilliant here's all the stuff that really annoys me here's the stuff that needs fixing that oh because they can offload on someone who is impartial and isn't there with a you know a political agenda just there to sort something out I go great and I put it all together and, and then present back however long later and say okay so this is the strategy this is what we need to do it's all the stuff you've told me so this is what we now need to start changing and I always get always 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 this ah when I said I wanted everything to change, I didn't mean me. <laughs> so then you have to work around that. And it always have you go through this like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's that Norman storming, performing thing of, of setting up new teams. You always, always get it. About three months in, we'll be like, oh, yeah, sorry, that means I've got to change as well. Oh, not sure I signed up for that. 
So you then persuade them, you then work with them, you then show them what we're trying to collectively achieve and how, ultimately, say, how I'm helping to make their job easier and make it more enjoyable for the teams and make it much more easy to understand how to measure their results and, you know, achieve their objectives and, and all of that good stuff. So you will always go through that change. The only way you can do it is to tackle it head on and say, I know it hurts, but this is why we're doing it. There are always some where you're going to have to push them a little bit harder and there are always some that will just jump willingly and that's just the nature of the beast. But, yeah. So not only have you got to be a good marketeer and strategist, you also need to be a fantastic influencer absolutely. to get anything done. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as an interim because you've got such a short space of time to do it. So if you take on a permanent job, and I, I remember this conversation quite you know, uh, readily when I handed over to the permanent hire when I was brought in to set up a strategy in a team while they were looking for the permanent director. And we had our handover meeting and I said, okay, the things that you just need to be aware of is A, B and C. And he said, well, I'll just kind of spend the first three months getting the lay of the land and getting my feet under the table before I kind of dig into those. And I thought, great, you know, you've got the luxury of doing that. For me, it seems like I can believe waste of time because I've just told you what's going on. But hey, as an interim, you don't have the luxury of time to build those relationships. So you have to do them on the hoop. You have to do the work and build the relationships and, and try and bring people on that journey with you. Do you think your skills in your agency life helped you or help you now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad I started Agency Side. I know the skills I have now are, you know, prehistoric and, uh, you know, the days of barb books and spot matching by hand when I was a TV buyer with 13 different channels and, you know, but starting at JWT was, you know, just fantastic. It's such an honour for me to have started there. And they had the mantra at the time, which if you can buy TV, you can buy anything which is true because it was the hardest negotiation. It was like being a, a city trader buying TV back in those days, you know, people standing up on the phone shouting in the media department. And I'm sure it's a whole lot more pleasant now. But, yeah, and it was bloody hard work. But doing that, working through pitches, you know, understanding lots of different clients simultaneously, working with them from SO to Kellogg's to Unilever to all the different clients, Swaddlers, which is a nappy brand, which is my first client that that was my own client yeah to go through all of that absolutely and I think I think this is the we were talking earlier on about good account management and for me that being in touch and being a really good communicator is really really important and the account director I worked with when I was at Anglin Water at one of the agencies there was absolutely brilliant you know she was always on it she was a great communicator you know you just knew that she was on everything but she worked ridiculous hours. And I think that for me, that's one of the things that needs to really change in agency life, that agencies still have rubbish work-life balance. You know, you still see them pulling the 2 a.m. pitch, you know, and it's like, as a client, I've never done that. <laughs> you know, unless you've got a kind of job which involves some kind of emergency response. So I think there is there is work to do on that side from, from the agency side, definitely. I have every, every sympathy for it, but it needs to change. The pace is unreal sometimes. I want to focus in on that, what you've just said about communication skills, because I think you're absolutely spot on. The best account managers I've ever met are the the best communicators. Yeah. They are they just have this ability to make sure that everyone in the room feels that they're informed, that, you know, everyone feels part of it, spoken to, heard, felt. 
And that skill of communication, I think, is so key. And what I wanted to ask you was, you've written on your blog a few pieces which mm-hmm. are really useful for account managers and agencies yeah. because you've you've kind of shown the both sides of the coin in the context of pitching, for example, or also going to an agency's office as a client who's bringing them business and how you like to be treated. And you gave a few examples which I thought was really spot on, you know, like don't leave me in the reception area and don't have the person that's on the reception eating a bowl of spaghetti when I arrive because it just gives me that impression and I would love you to and I don't want to put you on the spot but because we are in a virtual world I'm really keen to hear from you how can account managers improve their communication skills when everything is on the screen yeah it's difficult isn't it I think uh, we were talking to somebody the other day and said we're all kind of getting zoom fatigue as well and it almost seems to be the default now. And I was setting up a meeting the other day with somebody and, and her PA was trying, oh, well, you know, would you like to Zoom? Would you like to FaceTime? Would you like to Skype? Would you like to? And I was like, I'd just like to speak to you on the phone, actually. You know, that that wrong? <laughs> and I've almost like, forgotten that there is this thing that you can pick up. So, you know, I think it is just about checking in and just trying, you know, we don't have to have everything as a formal meeting. You know, don't forget that you can text, you can just give a quick buzz, you can just drop a quick email, how's everything going? Is there anything I need to do? Whatever the project is, you know, just checking in because for a client, the account manager is there to kind of take your problems away, to just, this is what we're trying to do. This is our challenge. This is my budget, you know, help, just make it happen. And whether it's on a Zoom call, whether it's on a shoot, it's about dealing with the problems that come along and not making a meal of them and just being calm, being flexible, being professional, just being able to deal with stuff and take the pain away. And again, it does come down to remuneration ultimately. You know, we are aware of that. If you are, you know, up to the limit on your hours for that week, that month, then you're not going to proactively begin phoning the client, particularly if you're very busy on other client projects and like you were saying before, running a million miles an hour. But keeping in touch, just making sure that you're not falling off the radar. I think clients also want to feel like, you know, it is a two-way dialogue and they don't want to feel like you're only getting in touch when we're paying you for something. You know, just how's it going? Oh, you know, anything we can help with, you know, any projects. It doesn't always have to be a sales pitch. It can just be, you know, we're here if you need us. What do you think is the most useful way to do that? You know, one way you suggested, you know, is there anything we can help you with? Yeah. You know, should we have an update on what's happening you know so that we can see how we can help but if that for a client is a bit you know I've got too much to do I just quite frankly don't have the time what would be a useful way for the account manager to keep that dialogue and keep that contact it's really helpful one of the things I always find really helpful is what the competition up to you know we can see if we take the very basic example we can see what ads they've put on tv for example what we can't see is how well they've done so anything that you can do behind the scenes to get you know, data, to get results, to do any kind of analytics on their social media listening, on the, you know, oh, did you know, I don't know if you've heard about this, but Brand X has got a real big issue because of the and you might want to kind of take advantage of it. Or Brand X are actually doing really, really well, and do you think we should kind of climb up our ante somehow? So just that kind of broader, where being another pair of specialist ears out there for us, really, and just really helping us because... My team are busy running their own projects and managing a thousand things. I'm busy managing them and managing a thousand things and managing upwards and keeping you know, the board happy. 
So to have someone out there to kind of really help us, and, and I think this is, as a modern client, if you like, one of my biggest moans compared to how things used to be back in the old age. <laughs> it's so bloody difficult to get decent consolidated campaign results now because I get presented with a bunch of statistics from you know various social media channels which don't add up to a hill of beans normally in you know in the real world and I don't ever have that sense or I very rarely have that sense of was this worth doing you know or should I have just taken that half million quid and put it on a bus side you know or a tv ad or whatever it might be so help me really understand that help my team understand that because ultimately again I've got to stand up in front of the board and justify it. And if I can't understand it and I can't justify it, I'm not going to be able to give it to them and therefore they're going to take the budget away next year. So really help us to make the case for why we're doing what we're doing. It's so useful. It's such a good tip. You know, bring the client something that they didn't know, competitor information being one, being really clear about your campaign results, and that's the real data that you need. How much do you think agencies actually understand the role of the client? Because we talked about the other way around, but you've just said, I'm the one putting my reputation on the line by standing up in front of the C-suite, the board, and explaining what we're doing and why. Actually, how much understanding do you think agencies have of the pressures that you're under? It depends. I think it's very easy when you're agency side to think that the advertising, let's call it that for simplicity's sake, is the only thing that they're dealing with. And it really isn't. It For me, it's the nicest bit of the job that I love the most. You know, I love working with agencies. I love the creative process. But I've also got salaries to review, job evaluations to put forward, people to recruit, boards to deal with, other strategic things to write. You know, I've got a million other things going on in the business that I have to deal with and stuff gets chucked at you all the time. So it's just, it does help to have some sort of understanding of the context of a a marketing director's day and what they are also having to deal with. Um, And that that comes back to the earlier point of help them do their job, you know, help them take some of that stuff off the plate if they can. Again, do you think it's useful? Because this is brilliant tips, by the way, Sam. So thank you. Do you think there's anything else that the agency can do, maybe at the beginning of the relationship or the beginning of the project, to create that dialogue, to say, look, you know, just is it okay if you spend a couple of minutes just telling us about your role, your day, so that we can see the best way of communicating with you on an ongoing basis? Or if we have a situation where we need to meet you urgently, you know, what do you prefer? How do we contact you? Do you think there's enough done at the beginning to set the relationship up for success? Probably not. I hope not. And you could you could even trace that back to the pitch, actually. So I thought, you know, think of some of my pitch horror stories, which there are many and some are quite funny. I think for me, one of the worst things is when agencies don't let the client talk. And you would say, What? Is that even a thing? And oh my god, yes, it's a thing. So two examples spring to mind where one a great agency, we walked in and we loved what they'd done with the room, they clearly had got our brand. The team seemed great. They seemed to kind of understand what we were there to do. They spent 50 minutes of, a, of an hour presentation talking about another brand and not even a brand in my sector to the point where I was actually sitting next to Paul Phillips from the AR and I just wrote on the page next to him, make them stop. It was just like, guys, are we ever going to get to the point here? And they were so desperate to show off this really good, you know, award-winning work that they'd done for this retail client that they'd completely forgotten to talk about us. And similarly, I was on another months ago. I think this was when I was at uh, Mercedes. I was uh, pitching for a CRM agency. And we were sitting around the table and uh, having a good chat. And someone said to me, so Sam, you know, about the cars, what, blah, 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 asked me a question. And I literally opened my mouth to answer. 
and the MD of the agency jumped up and answered it for me. Yikes. Yeah. Do you know, the disappointing thing about that is I always think that the best account people have a really high level of emotional intelligence yes, and exactly that. social awareness, and they can kind of read a room really well so that they're able to kind of say my god you know I would have thought that someone from the agency team would have picked up on the fact that they'd been talking at you for 50 minutes and that you were showing some level of discomfort you'd even leaned over to the guy next to you to write something down I would have liked to have thought that someone would have picked that up I know as I said in my blog you know if I look bored I am (laughs) (laughs) so yeah absolutely I think emotional intelligence is a really really good point Jenny and I also think it is about being genuine and being honest because I've also worked with account managers who I'd say are quite fake, who kind of almost pretend to be your best friend. And, you know, and then when you don't work with them anymore, it's like, you're dead to me now. Well, I don't want you to be my best friend. You know, I, I want a professional, friendly relationship. If we stay in touch when we stop working together, great. And I have done with loads of people. But I don't want that kind of fake, invite me to a party and then leave me standing in the corner because the client's here, you know, kind of nonsense. You know, it's like I am I'm not a client. I am Sam. I'm a normal person and I'm quite nice outside of work. So, you know, don't need to well, quite nice in work as well. <laughs> so, you know, I think there is that thing about being genuine. And I'm, I'm just always reminded of, you know, going to the, in the extreme lengths of making, a client, in this case, not the client, making the talent happy. And I don't know if you've ever heard that great story about, Sarah Gold or Sarah Golding, as she now is, who's chief executive of the Corporate Partners now, aren't they? IPA, well, isn't Yeah, and chair of the IPA. And she was our account director when I was orange and she was at, was it Lowell or WCRA? And yeah, her famous story was that she was trying to keep Naomi Campbell happy on an Olympus shoot. So she took up smoking just so that she could hang out with her and like, you know, you know for us mere mortals who aren't, you know, as great as Sarah. <laughs> but it is about that genuine, you know, be, be on side and be a support and be a great help and be friendly and let's have fun while we're doing this job but don't be fake about it don't be shallow and obviously the more you find out about me and the pressures on my team and my job the more you can do to help do you think and I don't know what view you've got on this do you think the best account managers just have that natural kind of interest and charm about them or do you think that's something that with coaching and mentoring and help you can actually help someone with I think you need a bit of it to start with yeah I think it can be trained it can be learned like most skills but if you're not a genuinely empathetic people person it'll be hard for you to to do it genuinely as we just talked about and I think that's that's the thing it is a real people job because you do have as we were saying before you do have lots of conflicting people and demands to deal with you know you are kind of the center of this of this storm in a, in a lot of ways so if you're not a people person then you don't know you're not great at stakeholder management and engagement then you are going to struggle you're it. in the wrong job basically you're in the wrong job. it's about bringing your whole self to work as well not your fake self so if you've got an opinion on something say so you're not a bad carrier you know you're not there to let the creatives and the planners do all the great thinking you have an opinion too so bring it to the table you know I, I have seen cat managers who just meekly kind of sat there and I know damn well they've got an opinion afterwards they told me so I will say so bring it to the table you know so just it's difficult and we're particularly dealing with creatives because you know quite often you're dealing with creative egos and that's sometimes hard to get a word in edgeways but you know you have to be able to trust your convictions I think I agree and I, I think that's a great point because I think a lot of account managers 
they don't want to be seen as an order taker, passively yeah. taking notes yeah. and just being the the person that goes from one side to the, the next. They want to be seen as a trusted advisor. Yeah. They want to be bringing the insights. They want to be bringing the competitor information to you and have a place at the table. It's a tool. It's a tactic. But we use the concept of a one-page pre-meeting plan because if you've got a big client meeting coming up and you're in that meeting with bigger personalities, maybe a creative, maybe a strategist, etc., you have the ability to orchestrate that meeting by getting everyone together before and saying right this is how it's going to go I'm going to lead I'll bring you in at that point then I will ask for questions because I personally think that the client then has the perception of that person as valuable because if you're sitting in a meeting passively taking notes you don't say anything a the client's probably going to think well what am I paying you for but also what value are you bringing like you say exactly and a lot of that stems from understanding the client's product properly as well you know and again in my blog I talk about examples again many of their pictures but it, it just shows how critical it is where I've had you know as a car client been presented with account managers who can't drive as a client for NHS blood and transplant someone who's never given blood and working at Whitbridge who's sort of 20 something Shoreditch types who've never even heard of beef eater ends let alone set foot in one because it's not a London brand it's not trendy it's a you know mid-market family brand's been around for 50 years you know so I think make sure you learn as much as you can about the product, live and breathe it, you know, drive it, go on it, do whatever, whatever, eat it, whatever it is, you know, experience it as much as you possibly can and understand it. Because one thing that I have said in a boardroom scenario is that if I've got a seat at this table, I've got a voice at this table, otherwise there's no point in me being here. And I think they need to remember that they're not the note taker, <clears throat> you know, they're not the person to carry the bags and, you know, carry the, the art folder. They are the person who is there to kind of help cohesively bring everything together it's, and it's an important skill absolutely and that's great advice do you have any other because you said you had quite a few horror stories I'm really keen to hear them <laughs> because you know someone listening might think oh my god I think we're going into one of Sam's potential horror stories and you've just actually given a lot of food for thought already do you have any other ones I think I think it, I could sum it up really with the same philosophy that Whitbread had. So Whitbread obviously had Premier Inn, Costa Coffee, and, and the four restaurant brands, and their philosophy was our house when I was working there. And it was really simple. It didn't matter whether you were the chief exec or a waitress in a in a beef eater or a chambermaid in a Premier Inn, you treated the place as if it was your house. So if someone was coming to your house. You wouldn't give them a dirty glass to drink out of. You wouldn't you give them dirty sheets to sleep in. You know, you'd make sure that the room was tidy, that when they'd finished drinking, you offered them another drink. You know, so it's just, it's that bringing it down to a really simple level. And so when I go to an agency, whether it's as a, for a pitch or just a meeting, it's just like, you know, it's that welcome. It's that making sure the reception is tidy, you know, that someone having a bowl of spaghetti really happened in the middle of reception. And, you know, copies of campaign that were four weeks out of date and stuff like that. Or being left sitting there. One, I remember where I was delayed because of, of a train and I'd phone say, I'm really sorry, train delay, I can't do anything about it. I'm going to be about 10 minutes late. Arrived at the agency, was left sitting in reception for another 10 minutes. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is the time I'm meant to be in a meeting with you. What are you doing? You know, why are you leaving me here? Or I've turned up for a meeting before my colleague and I've just been left sitting in an empty meeting room until the colleague arrives. And it's like, I don't want to be treated by that, like royalty, but I also would like a bit of professional courtesy. And, you know, maybe you could chat to me and find out a bit about me before the official meeting starts. Back in, it's going back a while, but when I left advertising, my first client job was at the RSPB, which is the third charity. 
And uh, the big joke, I know nothing about birds. I can barely recognise a chicken, but I was there to, to do a commercial job for them. And we had started a, a search for an, an agency to celebrate our millionth member at the time. And I ended up running that as an ex-agency person. And we went to meet some media agencies. And I had obviously come from like seven years as a media planner buyer. I was working with two deputy marketing directors or two assistant marketing directors, joint marketing directors, I should say, one who was ex-IDB and one who was ex, I think Unilever again, an FMCG brand, if I'm remembering the bits of time. And one of the media agencies at the pitch treated as if we were like three old ladies who worked in the gift shop. I would say at the time I was like 28, so I wasn't even an old lady. But, you know, just the no bother to check up what our backgrounds were, what we knew. And he started talking, one of the guys started talking the most random media bullshit at me which I let him kind of tie himself in a knot for about 10 minutes and then said, well, actually, I think it's da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And the shock on his face. And I said, I'm sorry, I should have told you I was a media planner buyer for eight years. And it was like, you know, such a bloody right, mate. Do your homework. So I think that's, you know, that's the value of what you can understand. And to have conversations where you're, you know, there is such thing as a stupid question nowadays because the internet can tell you so much. So don't ask me who the parent company is of my brand or don't ask me what other cars we make or you know whatever it might be do your basic homework don't turn around to me and say this is so interesting I didn't know anything about this until yesterday you know I haven't come here to talk to a bunch of interns I've come to talk to you about your expertise and how you can help me improve what I am trying to do with my brand so yeah and there's all the there's all the little things and catering is always the one that always gets me always makes me laugh you know being presented with ginormous crumbly croissants and no plates you know with a suit on uh, you know doing some milky tea I'm lactose intolerant by the way in a chipped mug you know <laughs> a chipped kind of freebie mug so yeah it's just you know all of those sorts of things it's just I'm a guest in your home so treat me in the way that you would you would treat guests in your home and let's have a conversation you know we're here to talk about the business and how you can help us so do you think it's got worse or better, that aspect of it? Oh, good question. I don't think it's changed enough, actually. I don't think it's necessarily got worse, but I don't think it's got better. I think it's very easy for agencies to go into pitch mode and, they, you know, deploy the same team you always deploy, approach it in the same way. And I've read lots of lots of books and lots of essays on how to break that cycle and how to think about pitching differently, etc. And it's, it's worth digging those sorts of things out. But, yeah, it, unfortunately, the whole pitch process is still so mired in the same, here's the brief, here's the long list, here's the short list. Now that, and what it doesn't let you do sufficiently is road test a relationship. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. And I think next time I'm looking for an agency, I'm really going to try hard to, to do it differently. And I'm going to try and do some project-based road testing rather than the big all singing, all dancing kind of, okay, you've got all the business based on, two meetings you know it's like marrying somebody when you've been on two dates isn't it it essentially is where do you see that you know what would you be looking for during those kind of test projects what kinds of behaviors and skills yeah i think you know as, as we've talked about it is that communication it's about staying one step ahead it's about being calm and professional about taking as much crap away from my day as you can you know when it comes to that particular piece of work and just really I help him bring the whole piece together. You know, when none of us are working in isolation, working with the other agencies, you know, and helping me deliver my objective. That's ultimately what I'm employing you to do. So however you can help do that is always going to be appreciated. 
I think the other thing is, in whatever type of agency a contract or relationship you have, that like regular reviews, those relationship audits are so important. And I think for them to work in the best possible way, they need to be 360. So the agency can review the client as well as the client review the agency. And it's always done anonymously, you know, so, you know, of course you can, you can normally work out who said what, but that's not beside the point. But I think it is really important because a good client should want their agency to improve and they should want their teams to improve. So you can do that like twice a year or after a big campaign or whatever it might be. And having a kind of structured for each kind of, production and account management and creative and all you know you have a few structured questions and just it really just helps to kind of bring any issues out really understand where things went right things went wrong what can we do more of what should we do less of how should we change and and also has been a big issue always have a wash up meeting you know I had I had one recently when I was angry mortal where there was an issue and you know it's not about apportioning blame it shouldn't ever be that no one should ever kind of worry about going the biggest problem was that Dave screwed up and it's like, all right, Dave, let's kind of understand how that happened. You know, what was it that led to that decision? And, you know, and unpick it so that it doesn't happen again. It's not about, well, fire Dave. I don't want to see his ugly face ever again. You know, it, it isn't about that. If you're a good client, you should be much more empathetic to, particularly when you are, you know, you are loading an awful lot of pressures on the agency. When this particular campaign I'm talking about was geo-dependent, location-dependent, weather-dependent. You know, there were so many variables in it and across so many channels, inevitably something was going to fall over. So we were lucky it was only one thing. But when it did, it had a bit of an impact. So, you know, like, okay, one thing fell over. What happened? How do we make sure it doesn't happen again? You know, I'm, I've never been the kind of manager that screams and shouts at my team, but I'm not going to do that to my agency either. Just don't see the point. Do you think agencies ask for feedback enough? No. They don't. I don't know whether it's because they're a bit scared. They're a bit like, oh, might find out something we don't like. And, and particularly in the pitch scenario, I think the other thing is, even putting uh, like the likes of the AAR and the intermediaries to one side, since I've been running pitches for however many thousands of years, only one agency has ever phoned me directly to ask me why they didn't get the business. One. Wow. Which is bad. You know, it's just mad, really. It's, I was quite happy to tell them you said that they're scared any other reason that you think that might be happening I don't know you know when I've worked with agencies as a pitch consultant and you know one of the things that is quite often said to me is we're quite often the oh you came a really close second and Such why a classic. And, and my first question is then well what what have you asked the clients that have told you that you know what have, have you started kind of compiling that client a said it was because of this client b so that you know is there a is there a theme emerging here is there something that we can start to kind of put together and quite often they don't. I don't know whether they rely too much on the intermediaries or they think it's an imposition to find the client, you know, but it's again, it's like, don't be scared about doing that. You know, there's, we're just normal people like you guys, just give us a buzz. And if we can't answer you or we don't want to answer you, we will tell you. But if we're happy to, then you've got nothing to lose. So it's, it is just about trying to get as much kind of experience together of what you know it's that it's like it's like the relationship audit you know after a pitch if you didn't get it wash up you know why didn't you get it be honest don't be afraid to say well actually it was because the md just didn't stop talking and maybe he shouldn't be in the pitch or maybe he should come in at the end you know manage the individuals and the egos is the hardest thing but if that's what's stopping you winning business it's something you have to face up to 
It's so true. I'm actually thinking about my early days in the agency world where we didn't get a pitch and I know that the MD didn't stop talking fully enough. And you can just sense that you think, this seems really flat, you know, and of course you didn't get it. But I think that's really good advice about, you know, asking for feedback proactively. What do you think about clients that before the pitch, they don't give the agency enough access to them? You know, a lot of agencies complain to me that they're going in to pitch for a piece of business, but the clients, you know, they get the brief. Maybe they're allowed a window of half an hour with all the other agencies to ask a few questions. But what do you think about clients being more open to agencies contacting them beforehand to get some more contacts? They absolutely have to be, you know, bonkers. I can't imagine trying to, you know, if we go back to the getting married scenario, you're not going to marry somebody and you've only spoken for half an hour. So if you really want to have a proper collaborative relationship, you need to get to know each other. And what I always make sure that I do is build in at least two hour-long follow-ups with the shortlisted team. So there'll probably be one at brief stage. It might be just a half-hour call to do a and a And so you, you schedule that. And, you, and it's individual. It's never with all the agents at once because that's not fair. And then for the ones that shortlisted and are then answering a brief or putting together, a, you know, some example creative, whatever we've asked them to do, then there'll be another either face-to-face meeting or a call or, you know, currently a Zoom probably. And how are you getting on? You know, is there anything you need to ask that's now? Is there anything that's not working for you? And the other thing that I found in that process, almost inevitably, the agencies that you think at the beginning are doing really badly, like in that interim stage when you, when you have that kind of get together and think they haven't got it. They haven't cracked it. And another agency is doing really, really well. Almost always, they will flip round by the time they come to present. And the agency that we're doing badly wins the business. And the agency that was doing brilliantly falls at the final hurdle. I don't know why it happens, but it almost always happens. So it's really important to kind of see, because it helps you as well get to know them and see the, their thinking and how they're working through things and steer them back on course because it's in nobody's interest if you get to pitch stage. And they've gone completely barking up the wrong tree. So you do need to make sure. As you know, I think you know, it goes back to my thought of trying to run it differently next time. Because in the real world scenario, you wouldn't brief an agency and then go, bye, see you in six months, you know, or three months or whatever it is. You would work with them on the campaign until you had something you were happy with. So why should the pitch scenario be run in these very old-fashioned kind of can't possibly talk to each other during this process? Now I realise it's time-consuming, and that is the biggest thing about it. But it's a big investment, so you should be prepared to make the time and try and find it and try and prioritise that time in your diary because you're not going to get the best result if you don't, essentially. I absolutely agree. I think it also shows commitment from the client to the agency because many agencies just think, well, this is a huge beauty parade. There's probably at least five others, if not 10, 20. You know, there have been pictures where, you know, it's like, throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something sticks they seem to throw it out there to loads of different agencies and I suppose from an agency's perspective yes many are good at qualifying those opportunities first but quite frankly if perhaps the financials aren't in the place where they need to be they might take that opportunity but then they go on to waste their time and time is money as you know you know unfortunately that's the business model Um, yeah exactly you don't want to waste time so I think the other thing that's really important is that clients don't have a beauty parade you know I've always been very very certain that whoever is on that shortlist we should be able to work with any of them 
So there should be no like, well, they've done a great job, but we, you know, we didn't like the MD because they didn't shut up. You know, there, there shouldn't be any of that. They, to have got to that final three, whatever, any of them should be able to win it. So I think it's not fair to have a beauty parade, absolutely not. No, and sometimes they think that they're making up the numbers, you know, yeah. and you find that out afterwards. But this, Sam, I'm just conscious of your time. This has been so rich with insight and I'm sure loads of people are coming away with some thoughts and ideas for how to do different things. I would like to just ask you a couple more questions, if that's okay. Do you get approached from a new business perspective by agencies? Yeah, certainly less than I used to. But when I started my career as an interim, I did more consultancy and, and agency pitch work. And it's kind of morphed into more interim marketing director work. But uh, yes, I, I still do it. And I yeah, get the occasional approach. But I think what would be really nice if it wasn't always the, we've got this pitch next week, and we haven't done anything about it for those 11th hour things. So yeah, but certainly what, what I tend to do is, is help, I come call myself a surrogate client, because I help them Think about the brief from the client's point of view. And I think one of the, the biggest tips I would give you is that the client doesn't always know what they want when they write that brief. So if you're slavishly answering it word for word, you're not necessarily bringing your best game to the table. I think particularly as, you know, as agents, we were saying earlier on, agencies are multidisciplinary now and everyone can do everything, supposedly. So it's quite hard sometimes for the client to know what type of agency they need or even what type of campaign activity they need to run. You know, it's just, I've just got this thing, you know, the old days of I need a media agency or I need an ad agency are, are so long gone that you, much like as I was saying, everyone about as an internal client, you need to come to the team going, well, here's my problem. How can I solve it? That's why I personally really like the intermediaries because they can help you kind of sort the wheat from the chaff at that early stage. But all that said, it is about looking at the brief and thinking, you know what, what I'm actually seeing here is the client wants this. They've expressed it in this way, but actually their challenge, if I know enough about their business and I've dug into it, is this. So I have worked with agencies. and There was one PR agency that was helping with a, with a car pitch that would, just went hell for leather on some fantastic stunt idea. And it was like, that's a tactic, not strategy. They're looking for a strategy no, 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 this is what they want, this is what they want. And guess what happened? They didn't win the business because they hadn't expressed enough, you know, strategic knowledge of what the challenge was. They just focused everything on a creative idea. Mm. So I can definitely help them unpick things that way. That's brilliant. And if they're an agency that's trying to reach out to a prospective client, any tips on how to do that in a way that is going to make them stand out? Oh, that's a really hard question. I think, you know, it goes back to what we were saying, just help solve their problems for them. Don't kind of come to them saying, have you got any work? And I'm using kind of really stupid terms. Of course, no one would do this. But, you know, come say, I understand that this is a challenge in your sector. This is what we think we might be able to do to help. Or this is what we've done for another brand in your sector and look at the results. Or have you thought, you know, so it's come with a challenge and a solution. You know, it's about dialogue, about making yourself useful. I think that's that's the thing. And hard yeah, hard to do because everyone's busy. And you know, as a marketing director, you're so aware of being cold called as well. You know, the, hi, I just thought I'd get in touch to, you know, so you do have a screening filter on that, networking, you know, all of those sorts of things, they really help. And just final question, if you've got an agency that's working really well with you and you love them, it's been going on for a while and they've been performing really well and bringing you new ideas, new insights, etc. Have you ever been asked by an agency of that kind for referrals? Like, can you refer me to other parts of the business or can you refer me to other? Yeah, it's really interesting, Jenny. I don't think I ever have, actually. 
I have done it. You know, I have said to other parts of the business, oh, you know, you should work with this agency. And, and the, the example I gave earlier on about the Mercedes roster got agencies working to other bits of the business. But I don't think anyone has ever explicitly said, could you recommend me to someone, you know, either inside or outside the business? So that's a really good tip, I think. Do that. Okay, because if someone had advised you, would you have helped? If I thought they were a good agency, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, all about you know helping each other out so yeah I would have no qualms in recommending and, and I have you know subsequently as a client obviously I've gone on to from one business to another and you know I've worked with that agency a fab I wonder if they could help us so you keep hold of the good ones customer lifetime value love it Sam listen where can people get hold of you and who would you ideally like to approach you who do you work with best and where can they find you you can find me on LinkedIn Sambridger or sambridger.com is my website so you can get hold of me through that and I think the clients that I really like to work with and this has really been sort of amplified over the last year or so with everything that's been going on are those that have a good sense of social responsibility so I've worked with a lot of charities I'm not just a charity client Anglian Water is a really good example of a business that totally oriented itself around sustainability and environmental protection and and looking after vulnerable customers so you know that meant a lot to me so those are the sorts of businesses I like working with but also loved the hospitality sector you know worked in the hospitality sector quite successfully I've worked with lots of different organizations for me it's just it's always about the challenge is what I always say it doesn't necessarily matter what the sector is it's like if you've got a meaty challenge if your business is a bit stuck or you know your agency is a bit stuck and you need to think about how you can pivot and uh, do something different then yeah I'm, I'm your woman amazing honestly sam you've provided so much value today thank you so much i'm very grateful for tina for introducing us so thank you so much for coming pleasure thank you jenny i hope you enjoyed that chat with sam and you've come away with lots of ideas to implement in your own role And if you're interested in raising your game in 2021 and you really want to become an effective account manager, then join me on April the 15th, where I'm kicking off my next account accelerator program. It's a three month coaching program and you'll have the opportunity to network with your peers and learn skills to increase your effectiveness and your confidence. So you'll be learning things like your consultative skills, how to add value to your clients, how to ask for testimonials and referrals, and basically everything to do with retention and growth of existing clients. I've been running the program since 2016. I've had loads of good feedback and lots of people have said how enjoyable it is. So I hope you'll join me. If you want to know more, then contact me through LinkedIn. It's Jenny Plant or send me an email, jenny at accountmanagementskills.com. I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you.